This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Well, hello. We're back with um, our series on warm homes, and we are really excited to um, bring this guest that we have today um, for you to hear. But before we do that, we wanted to um, just remind you to check out reclaimingfamilies.org and um, see the resources we have on that website. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and um, definitely, if you haven't gotten to listen to all of the episodes of this Warm Homes series, it's been super encouraging. And today, we get to hear from Jim Hawkins, and he has quite the legacy of um, marriage and children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren now. So it's quite the privilege to get to be speaking with him, but um, yeah, we're excited about it, but we'll let him introduce himself. So, Mr. Hawkins, Jim, welcome to the Reclaiming Families podcast. Thank you. My yeah. pleasure. Yeah. Um, if you would, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, how long you've been married, how many kids, uh, well, grandkids, all that. I got married. I've been 19, 10 days when I got married. All right. And I've been married, I'm, I'm been married 58 years. 58 years. That's awesome. And uh, I worked for the power company all my life. Yeah. And we chose to, uh, when <clears throat> Barbara worked, my wife worked at uh, at a local factory here in town for about a year, and she she had already made uh, executive secretary. She'd done it back when you had to do all the shorthand and all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh-huh. And she was graduated about fifth or sixth in her class, so she was pretty sharp, and she made it made it pr- pretty quick. However, <clears throat> when we started having a family, we talked about it, and uh, we decided that uh, she would stay home with the kids, and I'd make the money. Yeah, I would make you know I'd do the work. So that's and we've and we've we've never looked back. We've we've had some sort of a vacation at least one week, maybe more, but at least one week every year since we've been married, except the last two COVID years. So yeah. You know, and she's not hardly as able to get around as well as she did. So we yeah. slowed down a little bit in that. So we, you know, uh, there's a certain amount of sacrifice to that because you don't have hardly as much money as both of you working. However, it's, um, we don't regret it one bit. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, uh, and of course the, the name of the, we've been both involved in church you know, me and my family, if you know us, you know we were saying gospel music all of our life. Yeah. And when I wasn't singing with my family, I was singing with d- different people around, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I've, I've sang in two or three quartets and so forth. And, and then when my family got big enough to start singing, then I, I started with them. And, that, and you know, if, if you commit yourself to uh, uh, whether it's singing or uh, teaching or whatever, that kind of keeps you uh kind of keeps you honest you know what i mean yeah you don't let your people down so it makes you 
keeps it's a it's a tool that helps you to be what you ought to be. Yeah, I remember you saying one time, like kind of living in the public eye a little bit helps you it with does. the accountability it and such. Keeps you, keeps you accountable. That's good. So how many how many kids and grandchildren did uh, the three have? boys? Three boys and six grandkids. Six. And now you're working on great grandkids too. You're going to have, what, five this, by June, going to have five. That's right. That's great. That's so cool. That's right. It really multiplies fast. Yep. Yep. You know, you were talking about being married 58 years, going on the vacations and stuff about once a year. But tell us a little bit how you guys prioritized your marriage. Because that's a lot going on with the singing, the church involvement. Um, all the kids now, grandkids, great grandkids work. How'd you prioritize your marriage throughout the years? Now, what exactly do you mean by that? How um, did we organize it or? Yeah, organize it. Like, were y'all going on dates once a week or, you know? No, not necessarily. Of course, back then we didn't have, you know, things are different now than they were back then. Yeah. You know, when we went to the beach, for instance, we, we had two nights out. One, you know, one night we went out to eat, which was at a McDonald's or something like that. Yeah. And another night was going to the boardwalk, so the kids could all ride the rides and so forth. Yeah. So things were a little bit different, you know, financially back in those days. However, uh, we started. We lived for four years in a trailer that was eight foot wide and forty foot long. So it was uh, very tight. We had Steve, our first one, in that trailer. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, and we were talking, just matter of fact, not too long ago, how that we're not a bit happier now than we were when we was in that trailer. However, you do get to enjoy a few more things if you make more money. You know how that works. Yeah. It's right. not, but money is not what makes you happy. It's not the, uh, we were just as happy that, of course, we didn't know it any better, but we were just as happy in that trailer as we are right now. But you get to enjoy a few more things if you got a little bit more money to spend. Absolutely. You know, and Coleman, he, he often talks about the vacations. And uh, I think it's a, it's what he's really, I mean, it's just a time of the year where he's very fond of it. Like, he's got great memories of these vacations. These vacations, did you take the whole family, or was this just you and uh, your um, your three boys? Or is it like your three boys and all their children, or just you and your wife? Or it how did you? depended on, most of the time, it was just... Uh, on most of our vacations, it was of course when the kids were small. Then all me and the, me, me and Barbara and the boys was was gone. You know, mm-hmm. the beach. We we spent the first oh several years at, every summer in Myrtle Beach. You know, so we took the family, and uh, uh, one year we took Barbara's mother, and sometimes we'd take another couple with us or something like that. But as a rule, it was just the family when we went to on these vacations. Now, yeah. as we got older and the, the kids moved out, of course, then we were more on our own. So we, we went to just me and her. So, so and I think that's, that's also important. I think too. Yeah. It's and good. I think it's really important to do this while you're young. See right now for just to give you an example, Barbara can't get around real well right now. She's had a stroke in 013, which you can't tell it by talking to her, looking at her, but she's not the same woman. Hmm. So we don't, we're not traveling much, but we've been in every state in the United States. I mean, every, yeah, every state in the United States. And we've been 
overseas several times and we've been, you know, on cruises and all that kind of thing. So I recommend to young, to young people, you know, and it's just, it, you don't have to sacrifice much to have the money to do that if you just plan ahead, you know. Because yeah. we didn't have any, I was on one, I was on a breadwinner. Now, after we got, uh, the kids all got in school, then Barbara would take jobs out as a, well, she worked in a, she worked there at church when we had a church split one time. She worked uh, four days a week, four hours a day for a minimum wage. If they had it, if they didn't have it, forget it. <laughs> That's the way we took the job, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, then she worked at a dress shop. So she's worked just to get out. Yeah. But now as far as being a real breadwinner, she, she's never had to do that. And not because we made so much money that she didn't have to. It just We just, uh, you know, we sacrificed a little bit. And then I always had another job on the side, kind of, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not hard to do. It's just a matter of doing it. Yeah. And I, in the meantime, till, till the kids got old enough to play ball, I was playing ball till I was 30 years old, I guess, or so, 32 or 3. And, and we'd be... With the kids, and, and when they were real small, they'd be at the ballpark with us, and or wherever I was playing, the kids was all there with us, you know. So we, uh, it wasn't like that. It was all about what either one of us did. We all did everything together. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, well, what were you gonna say? Well, yeah, I was just gonna. Um, I mean, there's a few things. What was like the vision behind the vacation? Was it day? A special time for your family, or was it you know just a, a time to get away? Like, what was the what was the reason that the vacations were so important to you? Well, a lot of it was depending on what the time of our life was. Like when it when when the kids were young, we wanted them to go to the beach and to see to ride the waves, and you know, and that's why we went at that time Myrtle Beach. We went over there because the waves was bigger, of course, than in the Gulf, <laughs> and we just we just went to have a good time, like you would today or anybody else would you know now as we got older we wanted to see things like venice and uh, uh places like that you know and, and uh, so we 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 done things in order to see them and so you have different motives i guess in different uh, yes to whatever hits you at that time just like it took us 10 years or somewhere along in that neighborhood to to when I built the house at, when I was 24, we built our first house and it took 10 years probably to ever get the shrubs set out because <laughs> every time we'd get enough money to do the shrub, we'd say, well, we can set the shrubs this spring or we can go to the beach, which, you know, that's a no brainer. So <laughs> that's right. So that's, that's kind of the way we looked at it. We didn't have no, uh, no big, you know, set plans and all that kind of thing. We just went to enjoy it. Yeah, that's good. Just good family time. You know, this is backtracking a little bit to something that you said and kind of, I guess, even talking about marriage a little bit. But, you know, being married 58 years right now in this society and culture is is very rare. You know, like divorce is so prevalent. And, and you know, in wedding vows, you always hear something like in sickness and in health and, you know, for richer, for poor, and it sounds like you guys have been together through, you know, less finances, more finances. You've been together, I'm sure, through tons and tons of different challenges and trials. Um, and then, you know, you said that she recently, or 
a, a few years ago, had a stroke. That's changed things, you know, sickness and in health. Sure. And so what would you say to just like, you know, we've been married four years. We're at the beginning of it all. And what would you say to young married couples just as far as trusting the Lord, you know, keeping your marriage vows? I I don't really have a question, but I know that you have a lot of wisdom when it comes to marriage that that we don't have. Yeah, but you like too, like men leading their their families. You know, men you know, men leading in their home and leading their marriage and just yeah, what what would advice would you have for well, you know, the temptation is is uh, always there. I don't care if you're a man or woman or what, you know, is that there's a temptation for you to do things that you shouldn't do. It's always there. But, like I say, if you've committed yourself, uh, you know, if you're going to church regular and, and you don't let your people down that know you, and so you think about that before you get crazy, I guess it would be the word, and do something you shouldn't do. And that kind of help, help, helps hold you accountable if you're teaching Sunday school or if you're whatever you're doing at church. You know, that kind of helps hold you accountable. But uh, there's just, uh, uh, in this day and time, people don't think as much about it. It's not as, uh, uh, it's more prevalent nowadays to do whatever you whatever you feel like doing, you know, mm-hmm. there's no, no rules, you know, everything's okay. Whatever you feel, do what makes you feel good, you know, and uh, you've got to realize that that's not the way to live. And yeah. in the long run, uh, you've got to, and, and I'm uh, in the long run, sometimes doing what you makes you feel good is not the best for you. Yeah. You know, we all know that whether it's whatever, eating too much or whatever, you know, we can all, do things we shouldn't do, and it causes a problem down the road. So I don't know, really. There's no, there's no secret to all that. Of course, I think the, the main thing is just to stay in church and to live for the Lord. And the main thing there is, uh, you know, the boys has learned a new song. You probably, you know, heard it, but it's not a contemporary song. It's still a Southern gospel, but it says you. You talk talks and you walk talks, but you walk talks better than you talk talks. That's, <laughs> that's kind of funny, but it's a you know it's a it's very true. And I don't care how much scripture you know. I don't care if you memorize the whole Bible or whatever you know. If you don't live it, it don't mean much. You know, it don't it don't. You can sit there and tell tell whoever you're talking to uh, quote all the scripture you want to. And if he sees you out here doing something you shouldn't do, then you might as well have kept quiet. Hmm. So it sounds like it's it's saying, you know, commit yourself to the Lord, live according to his, his design, whether you want to or not. And uh, in the long run, you know, it's going to it'd probably be a, like a guard, be a protector, be a shield for you. But if you're living where you ought to, that's what you want to do. That's true. Too, yeah. That's what you want. And I, I had two guys that I worked with, and more they were – they're, they've passed now. They're not living or not now. But they told me how, how do I to put this? They told me, uh, whatever you do, don't make that mistake of of going out with somebody else or meeting somebody else or something on the slide. And you know that has always stuck with me. 
And, and that's the reason why I never have done that. And uh, because, say, if you ever do, the next time would be easier, the next time would be easier, you know. So that that would wreck your marriage about as quick as anything. But And we're living in a time now that uh, it's all over, you know, the, it's all over the TV. It's, you know, no matter where you look, it's it, that stuff like that is going on. So it's it's a lot more tempting now. And, and now the women are a lot different than they were back when I was growing up. When I was growing up, things like that, women didn't even think about things or didn't talk about things like that. Now they're just as aggressive as, as some men would be. Mm-hmm. And I learned that in the rental business. You know that that can be they can be just as aggressive as as men can be. You know, so uh, you know it's just a, it's just something you've got to be de- pretty determined that you're not going to make that mistake. Yeah. Because if you ever make it, it can lead to a lot of trouble. That's right. So it sounds like I guarded. You know, like to be on guard, right? To be, you be on guard. Be on guard. Got to be on guard. And who knows? And I, I I never will forget one time I told Barbara I said, "Well, you know, I never have." I never have went out on you yet. She said, yet? What do you mean by yet? I said, well, you, I thought about that a minute, and I said, you know, anytime we, we're, we're not above all that. Yeah. But by having the Lord in our lives, then that gets us through all that. And I said, if I get, I, I feel like if you thought that you were above all that, and that's when you make the mistake. If you thought you was too good to do stuff that you shouldn't do, that's when you make a mistake. And of course, that's key to your marriage. I mean, I, you can say what you want to, but that's that'll make or break a marriage. Yeah, yeah. And I might mess up tomorrow. Don't get me wrong. Like I say, I'm not above it, but I haven't yet. Put it like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a degree of humility. I think in the uh, in the Bible where you know Peter's like Jesus, I'll never betray you. I'll never right. do it. And, right. uh, and then the very next day, or you know that night, or whatever the. He betrays Jesus and denies him three times. And so it's that uh, kind of helps you keep on guard too. If you say, I haven't done it yet, you know, and you realize that you're susceptible just like anybody else. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so, what are, um, as far as values, what did you try to, what values did you try to instill in your children? Like, what did you want them to become? And how did you go about instilling? Uh, values your values into into your children. Well, of course, I I wanted them to be. I, I read. I wrote some of this down here just to, so I could look, look back on it. But I wanted them to be honest. You know, that's number one. Maybe being honest. Of course, I'm not. I'm not living for the Lord is number one. But you, but you need to be honest in, in whatever you're doing. You need to. Uh, uh, Work hard, hard works. You know, if you want to go somewhere, all you've got to do, and it's not rocket science, all you've got to do, the, the sky's the limit if you just if you just uh, make yourself valuable to your employer. Hmm. That's the name of the game. Because nobody else is doing that. So and you're going to climb that ladder pretty fast if you if you do that because no, no one else is doing that. And the only one that's, that's not going to like it is the people, your peers that you work with, but you just got to remember, they don't put the bread on your table. So, so an integrity, I think is something that you try to, to instill in your kids. And of course, to me, that's what you do when no one's watching, I guess would be the easiest way to say that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, 
And I also, I never did uh, want them to be just average. Even though we can't be the best, but you don't, I've tried to instill in my boys not to just be average, uh, work hard enough to be above average or, or better than just average because sometimes we can't be, you know, if it's playing ball or if it's uh, working where you work or whatever, you can be above average uh, rather than just settling for just being uh, average. You, you go to work at seven in the morning and you get off at four or whatever time and, and you don't try to achieve anything. And that's average. Mm -hmm. But if you go to work with uh, the idea that you're you're uh, valuable to that company or that person or whoever you're working for, then if you feel like it, you you can make yourself valuable to that, then then that gives you a little pride in what you do. Yeah. And then you, and so you enjoy doing that. I guess would be the easiest way to put that. Yeah, and I tell you what, what theme that keeps coming up is is really the character over what people do. It seems to be the theme. Yeah, I kind of been hearing like uh, on the Deweys, he was like, he didn't care what his children ended up doing, whether they're doctors or, um, you know, lawyers. They, they didn't care that, but what they cared about was their character, right? They, they cared about their, you know, their integrity, their honesty, what kind of men and women they were becoming. And with that, I think they also, they said, hey, pursue excellence and, and what we do, yeah. we're going to do it well. And they all ended up, I mean, they're not all graduated college yet, but uh, by and large, they've ended up being successful doctors and lawyers and, and yeah. nurses and engineers and, and, uh, and they've been hard no workers. No matter so. what you do, be good at it. No matter what you do, I don't care what it is. My dad taught me that. He said, if, if you're out mowing the yard or if you're out, you know, we had lived on a farm and if you're out, see, he didn't like for me to have a, you know, when I was plowing or something, he didn't, or mowing, he didn't like for it be zigzagged all over the yard, you know, yeah. he wanted a straight line and, you know, he was kind of picky about stuff like that. And that's what I'm talking about being above average or, you know, you don't have to be perfect but you can be above average. You need to be a trying to uh, always trying to, to be above average. And would you say, you know, that kind of helping your family to have these values, I imagine there's some conversations, there's some them seeing you and, and kind of you setting the example, but is there anything specifically that you can remember that's like, we intentionally did this so that they would see these values? Yeah, like how did you instill those values? Well, of course, by, you know, like like I say, living it in front of them is what you've got to do. Mm -hmm. if, if you expect them to, to, to do what you want them to do. And then sometimes you can say, well, here's why we did this. And another thing while I'm thinking about this, I don't want to forget this, and I didn't do this, but I think it would be something worthwhile to know. I got thinking about this maybe two or three months ago. And it's, it's the little things that always uh, stick with me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you can look back and see what you've done. But if I had it to do over again, when my child got, where's maybe 11 or 12 or 13 or something like that, what, whatever age that you feel like they're able to understand. If I had to do over again, I'd say, look, I've never been a parent before. See, they think mom and dad, 
hung the moon. They think they can do whatever they think, you know, they think that they can do it all. They know it all. Now, when they get 14, 15, that changes for a few years, you know. <laughs> then you don't know anything. But when, you're, when they're at that age, they think that, boy, no matter what you do, uh, you know, it's going to be right. Whatever mom and dad says, if, it, if they say, Dad, what do you think about me? Rob, would it be okay if I robbed the bank in the morning? And I said, well, yeah, go ahead. But they, they wouldn't think it's wrong. They'd, they'd do it, you know. You see what I mean? I mean, that's how uh, extreme, I guess you might, might be the word for that. When, whatever they, they think. But if I had to do again, I'd say, look, hey, I've never been a parent before. I'm going to make some mistakes. But we will work through it. And yeah. when they realize then that you're trying your best to help them in everything you do, then I think they would understand more about why you chose to do this or why you chose to do that and not be uh, maybe upset because as they get older, you know, they get a little upset if you don't do it like they think you ought to or whatever, you know, when they get up around about 12 to 14 or somewhere, you know. And uh, I think that would make a difference if you told them, said, hey, you know, I've never been a parent before. They, and see, that's never crossed their mind. And it hadn't ever crossed my mind until I got thinking about it here not too long ago. Yeah, that's good. But I think that would be good advice. I, if I had to do it again, I would tell my, I would ask my kids and tell them that, hey, you know, we're going to make mistakes, but we're going to get through them. Yeah, we're learning. Humility in parenting. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I really like, yo, know, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, I think those three things, humility, and tell them why you're doing things and, and uh, you said that you, you yourself, you embody the values that you want them to learn, to catch. Right. And, uh, and be honest with your kids. Don't be telling them something that's just to, just to get them out of your hair or whatever. Be honest with your kids. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because I need to do this. Or I, you know, you don't have to. And a lot of times, too, and that even goes with uh, grown-ups, you know, if if you if you tell that guy say hey move this move this rock over here and then when you get through with that move it over here then they don't feel like that's a part of anything but if you say move that over here because mm. because if you move it over here that's going to look a lot better and it's going to be a lot safer and whatever yada 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 about what it's going to do whether you're telling them to uh, uh, no matter what you're telling them to do if they understand why. And so many times, parents don't, and I've, I've been guilty of that. You know, you don't tell them why you're doing this, and it, but it's for down the road. In the long run, you're going to be better off if we do it this way. And if you sat down and just took two minutes to explain that, then they would be more eager about doing what you tell them to do. Yeah. So and I've not always done that, but I've tried my best to do a lot of it that way. Um, you know, talking about that and it kind of makes me wonder, you know, how you did discipline in your house and kind of just what that looked like. And yeah, I think the question is like, what was not tolerated? Like what kind of beha like behaviors and attitudes weren't tolerated? And then how, how did you deal with it? Well, I did not. Uh, uh, I demanded respect. Yeah. Not for just me and Barbara, but for anybody of the, of the older people. In fact, I told uh, I told the teachers, I said, look, if, 
if um, one of these boys causes whatever boy was in that class, if he causes you trouble, you let me know, and he'll have trouble when he gets home. <laughs> and I believe I believe in spanking. A lot of people don't believe in that. Now, another thing, now, I never have hit my kids in the face with my hand or nothing like that. And I found out, too, that all you got to do is uh, act like you're upset, and you don't have to hit them very hard at all. All you got to do is just act like you're upset. And 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 I've whipped my kids more than once and went off in another room and cried about it. You'd ask, you'd ask Barbara about that because it's hard to do that. That is not easy to do. That's one of the harder things that you'll find that you to do is to, to discipline your kids because you don't want to do that. You know, you don't want to do that, but it's down the road uh, in the long run, they've got to have some discipline. And that's what's wrong with this world today, I think, is because nobody's uh, kids do what they want to do. I wouldn't let my kid have a cell phone now until he's got driver's license. I don't guess if I was. Yeah, we're on board with that. We're we're on board with that, but yeah, I wanted to unpack because I'd heard about um, how you discipline your children, and I'd heard of that. Yo, know, you did go to another room and you did cry after you had you had spanked. Yeah, and because yeah, uh, you don't want to do that. And that's what was kind of like. How? What was the driver that made you say, "I really, I'm broken that I'm having to do this. I'm really sad to the point where I'm in tears, but yet." I will do it. What was that? What was that well, that made you do that? I knew that if they didn't do, if I didn't do that, then I was, I was doing my kids. Uh, uh, I wasn't doing them right. I was doing them. Uh, uh, I was doing them wrong. If I didn't, if I didn't discipline at the time, right now it wouldn't matter much. But when they got older, that's when it would matter. You know. Right now, at the, whatever age they are, but now when when my kid, I had rules that really didn't matter just to keep the rule. You know what I mean? You just got to learn to keep the rule. You know. Now my kids, you know, do you know where I live here in town? I don't. I've never been to your house. Never seen it. But but anyway, I live just a little ways from the high school down here in mm-hmm. the and the YMCA. If you know where that is here in Cookville. Yeah. And. Uh, the kids, back that time, of course, it wasn't like it is nowadays. The traffic wasn't as heavy and so forth. But but they could go anywhere they wanted to go as long as they could hear me whistle and come on. If they didn't hear me whistle and didn't come home when I whistled, they got a whipping and got a spanking. And uh, like I say, I never did hit them in the face or I never did hurt them, but I made them think that they was getting hurt, you know. And... Uh, and they'll tell you, they'll tell you right now that, that they felt like that. And looking back, you ask them sometimes, they'll tell you that that, that was very valuable in, in uh, their upbringing. I think you've got to have discipline when and all you got, it's just a matter of saying, you know means no and yes means yes. You know, it's just, that sounds simple, but it's not near that simple to do yeah. sometimes. And it's just a reminder that doing the hard thing is worth it. Like, you know, right now we're we're entering into, I guess, what some people would call the terrible twos. Um, you know, we got tantrums yeah. happening, not yeah. all the time, but they're definitely happening more and more. And it's like, it is so much easier to just give our sweet little toddler what she wants than right. it is yeah. to say no, to make her look at you right. in the face and try to explain something. But it's like the vision for her overall development 
make like it has to to and really the love for her to say hey we're going to do the harder thing um is more important you got to make her do that you got to make her do that for her own good it's not something she want to do right in order in order to raise them like they need to be you have got to uh you've got to you've got to Make them do what you tell them to do. Yeah. Right, and there again, it might just be whatever, just a rule to might just be a rule that really that might not make a whole lot of sense, but it's just a rule that you keep. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just to say they keep a rule, you know. Yeah, but, it, uh, it sounds like you're saying it's the foresight of who they're gonna become. It's exactly. it's it's you know, you're not doing that for yourself. You know, and I've I too I'll share this with you. I uh I've been reading this book called Gentle and Lowly, and it's a book about the character of, of Christ and it's the nature of God. And, you know, and it says that he afflicts his people, but not from the heart. Like God doesn't take pleasure in afflicting his children, but yet he does afflict them. And he does. And it was just kind of the same idea I thought of you as Coleman was sharing. It's kind of like, hey, I am afflicting my children. I'm, I'm causing them some pain, some, you know, some some discipline, but you know what? It's not from my heart and my heart's actually to, to not do it, but yeah, it's for their good. It's for them. And, uh, I thought it's a, uh, I don't know. It's a godly picture. I think it's a, but it's a tough picture. And so and I'll tell you something else while I'm thinking about it. I better tell you so I don't forget it, but the more responsibility you can place on your kids, the better your kids are. Hmm. The more responsibility that you can you can place on you. In other words, if 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 that child is wanting to do something that you probably didn't want him to do, and of course, I guess this determined this is determined a lot by the 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 child. You know what kind of attitude and so forth they've got. But the more responsibility you can put on the kids, then uh, the better they will be. My kids, I haven't. Now, when they got to high school, uh, they called me if it was going to be later than 10 o'clock or whatever, the 11 or whatever the rule was. They called me if they was going to tell me where they were at. But they made their own decisions. I, they'd say, what do you think about this? And I'd say, well, you know, when they asked me their opinion, I still do that. I don't tell them what to do now. And when they ask me their opinion, I will. I tell my opinion, I will tell them. I'll be honest with them. But I don't, I don't run over at one of my boys' house and say, well, you need to do this and this and this and this. I don't do that. And I didn't do it. Uh, when I, when I, they asked me about something, I would tell them. However, uh, I'd tell them, this is why that I think I would do it this way. And I said, but that's your call. And a good example of that, Chris still asked about it, and you may have heard this from Coleman. But... Uh, Used to have motorcycle races at church or at uh, on Wednesday night during church time at the fair. And Chris said, Dad, what do you think about me going to the motorcycle races tonight instead of going to the church? I thought about that a minute. I said, Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know how blessed we've been and you've been. And I said, If you think you need to skip church to go watch some motorcycles and you're you're not gonna miss but time they get started over there, the church will be over with. You could be there in 15 minutes or so. You're not going to miss much, but if you just think, you you know, the Lord hadn't blessed you or whatever. He could, he, 
Chris calls you the guilt trip, you know. <laughs> and I said, you just make that call yourself, wherever you think. And I just let it go. <laughs> I, that, that night, he was at church on Wednesday night. But now I thought, I said, yeah, go ahead, that's fine. Then he, just like I said, telling the other uh, while ago, uh, he would say, uh, yeah, I don't need to go to church tonight. My dad said I, I could miss that, you know. So I, when I made him make that decision, he needed to feel that burden of, uh, you know, that he wasn't doing what he ought to do, maybe. Then if I did that, then that was his. That's on him, you know. And I set them down when there's about, I don't know, 16 or 17, somewhere in that area right there. And I said, look, I said, I've done all I can do. Whatever you do with your life from now on, it's yours. It's on you. It ain't on me. Hmm. And I think that made them a little bit more aware of, you know. And that's not a big deal, but it's something for them to think about. Kind of like you're your own man now. Yeah. And so whatever and I've you done do. that at a pretty good age, like maybe maybe I've been 14 or 14 or 15. But now another thing that uh, advantage that I had, too, is Barbara and I were youth directors at church for uh, about 20 years, 18 to 20 years. So we dealt with a lot of problems that other parents didn't deal with. We've had them being over the house, and we prayed with them at night and done all kinds of stuff when they've, they've done things they shouldn't do. And, you know, they've, they've or when their folks was going through a divorce or something, you know, and we've stayed up with them and all that kind of thing, you know. So we learned a lot doing that. Yeah. But they knew that I was kind of old-fashioned, that I meant what I said. If I told them that... Uh, they had to be 12 years old to get in that group. So when I, when they were, uh, the reason why I chose that, when they're 12, you ought to be able to tell them that we took them to the quartet convention or something in Nashville that's a, at the municipal auditorium or some big place. I'd say right here, we're going to be back here at 10 o'clock tonight. I, I do not leave this building, but be back here at 10 o'clock. Then they knew that I expect them to be back there. But now I was I was strict and stuff like that. But but you know we played and we parted and and when we went on things and retreats we'd have water balloon fights and everything else. But I, when it's over with, I said, "Hey, we got to clean this mess up." You know. <laughs> so we had a good, lot of good times. And all those youth in church. I don't know if you know anybody at church much, but they were they're still there. A lot of the youth is, you know. Yeah. So we had we had a lot of good times. And, you know, that kind of talking about like, you know, we've talked about the values, the honesty, the discipline, but then talking about the like the fun and this the enjoyment. You know, anytime I talk with Coleman and Kayla, you know, there's kind of like a pride about being a Hawkins and, you know, they look forward to the vacations. They look forward to Christmas. Is it Christmas Eve at your house where everybody's all there? Thanksgiving together. Um, And so where do you think that like the enjoyment and the unity of being a Hawkins, you know, four generations now, where do you think that comes from? Well, I, I guess one of the things that, of course, I always thought about the family first, Mm -hmm. you know, in fact, I had a little problem with that as far as, you're not supposed to put anything before God. Mm-hmm. But now my family's always come ready. 
I've tried my best not to do that, but now sometimes I might, you know, there, there's things I do that maybe it was putting them too high on the list. But yeah. everything that I've ever done, and Barbara, both of us, we've done that with our family in mind. I don't care what it was. We, Lura, I don't know if you know my, you know Lura, Jeff, you know my kids. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, Lura said, you know, what would be nice if we had a swimming pool, you know? And uh, this has been 04, I guess. And I got to thinking about it, and that's one of the best investments I ever made in my family. So what I'm getting at is uh, my family's always rated really high, and we've never done anything special or spectacular. I uh, used to take them down to the cat hole. We called it the cat hole to the creek. We still need to do that. We didn't do it last summer. But uh, we'd go down this creek and we'd walk down to the falls and it's about like walking, oh, maybe a half a mile or less, quarter of a mile. And just the family, we just went down there and it was nobody there but us. It wasn't, a, nobody knows about this place hardly but me because I was kind of raised up down there. And one year we used to take them to, of course, every time, you know, when we had the opera land there in Nashville, then that was a big treat. We always took the youth there once or twice a year. And uh, they'd come to me and they'd say, Dad, what about, or, or the kid, grandkids say, Pa, what about, still this year going to Opera Land, why don't we go to you know? So, and it's all about being together, and we still love to be together. Mm -hmm. We still, no matter what it is, Kayla come over, used to, she used to come over to the house and, and just during between classes or whatever and she said I just need to come over and lay on your couch while you know you know just to be with to be around each other you know we like that too we the same way it's just a it's just a bond that you develop over a period of time I guess because and they sense that that you think you know that you're trying to help your family they sense that, that what you how you feel towards them yeah you don't have to tell it you don't have to you know flaunt it or, or try to uh make it look something like that it ain't they 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 just sense that you so it's, it's not something that you've got to broadcast they, yeah. they know how i feel about my family and would you say that's the biggest thing just creating the space for time to enjoy each other or was there yeah. anything like special that you did while you were there that you intentionally did or is it just having the time no. to do it it's just taking the time to be with instead of being so busy that and Barbara, she'll fuss on me now every once in a while because when one of my kids call me or grandkids or any of them, when they call me, no matter what, no matter what I'm doing, I stop what I'm doing and I go to them. Mm -hmm. And Barbara will say, you know, uh, do you not know how to say no sometimes? But, you know, <laughs> some, no matter what I'm doing. And, you know, I, just, I had a question along those lines of um, how introspective would you be into how your family's doing? Like, would you ask your children, hey, how are you doing? How are you processing things? How are you dealing with certain situations? Or would you say, how is work? How is this? Like, how how would you kind of probe how your children are doing, grandchildren are doing? I just ask them. I just say, hey, is everything going good? How's everything going? You know, and if they want to tell me, fine, that's their business. If they don't want to tell me, then I don't ever, I don't ever. Uh, indulge in it if that's if they don't want to talk about it then I don't keep on until they 
have to tell me something, you know. I just ask them how they're doing. And if they, in this same way with my my grown kids, uh, I have never told them how to do whatever unless they asked me. Hmm. You know, I'd give them my opinion. But I see Tara and Jeff, uh, Laura and Jeff lived over here across the street from me for a couple of years. And uh, far as I know, we never had a short word. I mean, you know, we did what we wanted to do. They did what they wanted to do. And I wasn't, you know, if I didn't, if if something they did that wasn't really something I would do, I didn't get excited about it. I just, you know, I didn't say anything. I just, a lot of times you, you need to keep quiet, you know. And There's I, no well, I imagine right. that that's a difficult thing as your kids get married and start their own families. And I, I don't know, but I would imagine it even be more difficult for Barbara, like from the wife's perspective, mom perspective. Uh, not to be speaking in, but it sounds like you guys gave your kids freedom to be their own family, but still being a part of your family. Like, and it sounds like with that freedom, they stayed close, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And they, it's not because you make them. Yeah. It's because they want to be. Yeah. Well, that's a that, there's a big difference in that right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I told my kids that you know they're all around me all the time. So I said, look, on the holidays, see they all live right around me now. They all moved out when when they got married and moved off. One of them to Chattanooga, one of them to Knoxville, uh, one to Nashville, and here and there, you know. But they've all migrated back home. But we never did. Just another thing, just like now, just talking about. And see, a lot of times you don't want to do things that would uh, not be good for them, even though you want to do it. You know what? Does that make sense? Even though you want to do something, but if you know it's, they need to, they need to see how this works. It's hard to keep quiet. Yeah. Just yeah. for instance, now, just to give you an example, when Jeff and Lura got married. They moved to Chattanooga. Jeff was running the CBC, I believe it's a CBC drugstore, some kind of drugstore over there. And uh, they moved over there. We moved them over there, and they didn't have a washer and dryer. And uh, Barbara looked at me, you know, like I ought to run downtown and get them one, you know. <laughs> she didn't say that, but she I could tell the way she was feeling. And you know, and I said, let's just hold off a little bit. And you know, uh, <laughs> we about cried all the way home over that. Me and Barbara did because we wanted to so bad. And and then when uh, later on that summer, that she went all summer by taking her clothes to the laundry. But when the time changed, I said she don't need to be doing going in the dark and doing that. So we went down bottom up wash and dryer. But what I'm what I'm getting at is that two months or whatever it was till we went and got them one and they, they've, they've laughed about that now but that was that was a learning time that was a learning time and it was good for them yeah. so like I say sometimes even though when they're grown uh, you still do things that just that's, that, uh, that you know would be good for them and I've told my kids don't depend on me for anything and then what you get would be icing on the cake I called it you know it would be something in other words, and they've never asked me for nothing since they've, since they've been gone from home. And and I said, I don't want to 
take the joy out of you uh, doing it yourself. That's good. And so they me. And then if I did help them in some way or do whatever, then uh, they weren't expecting it. So it was nice. You know what I mean? It was. It wasn't because they had to have it. Whatever. Yeah. You know? So but now it's hard to do that. That's easier said than done. Right, right. Yeah, you just said you let your kids experience trials. Right? You you yeah. let them walk through hard things and yeah. and uh uh but yeah, I uh, I do like how how you handle money. It does sound like hey, don't don't count on me. Like you do it yourself. Work hard. Yeah. And I I, I know told the boys, of course now girls would probably be different. But I told the boys, I said, I will match whatever you save for a car. I said, I'm not going to buy you a car, but I'll match whatever you save. And I did. When they got trying, Chris, man, he, you know, of course, you don't know if you, do you know Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I work for Chris. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, you're talking about Coleman, wasn't you? Yeah. <clears throat> well, Chris, is, Chris has always been kind of the, he's, he's a pretty good businessman, but he's always been kind of the, He's the type of guy that he works till he gets what he wants. And uh, Steve bought a new Nova, I believe it was, for about $7,000. And Jeff bought a, uh, some kind of a, maybe it was a Mazda. Or, but anyway, it was a used one. It was a nice vehicle, but it was about seven or $8,000. Chris saved up and bought, bought a, a brand new stepside Chevy truck. Cost me about eleven thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If you matched it, like, is there a limit to what you would match? <laughs> yeah. But now he, uh, but, but, but now as, as as they look back on that, they laugh about it now. Yeah, don't make us feel we don't we want to know that we earned it or whatever you know. But I, you know, and but also they knew that I had their back. Now, when in the younger days, I didn't have no money to help them with. But as you get older, you don't spend no money, so you can, you know, you can accumulate a little money. But I don't, you know, because I don't spend it, you know, anymore. I, we don't, uh, just the two of us, and it just don't take a lot of money to get by. So I, I can do better than I could back then. But, you know, if you, you know, you still need to keep that in mind that you don't need to just, just uh, be too, uh, I guess be too extravagant with your kids. I don't yeah. know if that helps them or not, but I never did do that with my kids. That's good. I, I, let them, I let them have the joy of knowing they made it on their own. But now Chris once told me, you know, Chris is in business for himself. And he, he was thanking me one day because he said, you know, said, I know I didn't have to ask you for nothing. And I'm, I've made it all on my own. But he said, I knew you had my back. So, even though and it, there were times when him and Terry had a pretty pretty rough time, as far as finances was concerned, uh, and uh, but he knew he never had never did ask me for anything, but he knew that we we had their back if if worse came to worse, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say you know I know Steve. I don't know Jeff very well. I yeah I see him every now and then, but. Yeah, I work for Chris, you know, and I know Steve. He's a painter like myself, and uh, okay, I didn't know all. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I don't know who works with him. Yeah, and so, uh, but all all your, you know, I know I know all your children be hard workers, and uh, yeah, some more knows. You know, Chris is, you know, everybody seems to work for Chris. You know, so, 
but uh, <laughs> it's pretty wild. But anyway, so what advice, you know, to wrap up here, uh, is there anything you want to add? No, it's good. Uh, what advice would you give young families? Anything that we didn't cover, anything that's sticking out that, you know, I, you know you're thinking of? Uh, as we wrap up here, what um, yeah, young married people, young parents of young kids, or any season of life that you've lived, any <laughs> advice? Well, one of the things that I've read is they come, all my grandkids call them gymisms. I heard, I've heard about them. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the best ones, and it's good for it'd be good for y'all, not just your kids. It'd be good for you and your kids. <laughs> But you may have heard me say it, or some of the kids may have said something about it. But life is ten, and it's really true. Life is ten percent what you make it, and ninety percent how you take it. Hmm. And if you think about that right there, uh, in other words, you know, if we're not careful, we let a lot of a lot of things get us down, and we have absolutely no control of it. Yeah. We didn't make it that way. We didn't have anything to do with it. But we've got all the control in the world how we let that uh, bother us. You know, if it comes down to sitting through a green light because somebody's in front of you on the phone and you're in a hurry, I don't get excited about that. But I bet I read this on a board or something or in a book maybe 40 years ago. I don't know where I read it at, but it might have been on a church sign or something. I don't know where I read it, but I read that many years ago, but I've never forgotten that. It's good. It's 10% what you make it and 90% how you make it. That's very, very true. And if you keep that in mind, it will help you through the hard times. And, you know, another thing, if you're living for the Lord, things are not as bad as they are if you're not living. Now, I don't know if, this could, if I can say it in a way that makes sense or not, but if, when you, if you're walking close to the Lord, that problem may not be as bad as it would be or won't be as bad as it would be if you was out here not living close to the Lord. You look at things different when you're living close to the Lord. And I'm not always there. Don't get me wrong. And then sometimes I have to you know, talk to myself and get myself straightened out a little bit, you know, and say, well, you know, uh, maybe I'm not doing exactly like I ought to do or whatever, you know, and maybe I'm not living like I really need to. But the closer you live to the Lord, the, the, that don't mean you're not going to have the problems and have to deal with certain things. But they don't seem as bad when you're close to the Lord as yeah. they would if you were if he wasn't in your life and you were living away from him, you know. Perspective. Yeah. Perspective. Right. To me, that's very important, I think. Gotcha. Well, Mr. Hawkins, I really uh, it's a privilege to uh to talk with you and to learn, you know, a little bit about about the Hawkins family and and I really appreciate it. I thank you very much. Well, it's been my pleasure and anytime I can help I'm, like I say, I'm a pretty simple guy. That's the reason why all my questions are pretty simple. But that's that's not a bad way to be. I don't think I yeah. I like being simple. You know, there's no. Sometimes we make so much of uh, of anything we deal with so hard. You know, and these people that write all these books and use all these big words, a lot of times it'll boil down to just a, life is ten percent what you make it, nine percent how you take it. You know what I mean? That makes, it makes more sense than all these five chapters that you read in some book. <laughs> That's right. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. 
We look forward to seeing you all next time.